welcome to the HMP Governance Lab podcast. I'm Holly Jarman and I'm here today to talk to you about a concept that I think is very helpful in understanding health politics as well as the implementation side of policy, which is administrative burden. So administrative burden is a useful concept here because once we pass a policy, uh, we tend to forget about it. In, in terms of just ordinary members of the public and even us folks who are health policy nerds who might be more deeply engaged with the news um, or the happenings in a particular policy area, um, after a policy gets discussed uh, in Congress, for example, or uh, if the president takes an action, the actual implementation of that policy always gets a lot less attention. And this is something we've known for a long time in political science. And um, it's a bit difficult to to study this kind of implementation, especially do the policies actually um, do what we expect them to do is a, is a very important question to ask. But furthermore, is the way that the policy is actually being put into practice, the way that it's being implemented, potentially harming people? So by introducing the concept of administrative burden, Pamela Hurd and Don Moynihan uh, wrote about this in several articles uh, and then produced a book, which is a great read and I highly recommend it. The idea of administrative burden here is doing a lot of work to try and explain what are the effects of a policy, but particularly the way that that policy is implemented upon individuals. And here, Hurd and Moynihan are making a bit of a different argument from the the arguments we tend to hear around government, which are uh, more along the lines of, oh, there's too much red tape. It's too difficult to get things done. Um, and governments are putting too many constraints. Particularly, this argument gets made a lot in the context of businesses and in the context of taxes and trying to get your taxes paid or um complaining about the the amount of money that certain groups are paying in society. Here, Hurd and Moynihan are applying the concept of administrative burden to health and social policy. And they're thinking carefully about the effects of these policies on the target groups of our health and social policies. So when a policy is designed, there are clear political choices that are made around the target population for the policy. And if you've heard me talk before about um, social construction, um, social construction is the idea that we um, basically socially agree collectively as a society uh, and hold some uh, prejudices, some images, maybe some stereotypes, some characterization of a target population. And that that actually that process can actually be political so through the political process politicians and to some extent bureaucrats um, and stakeholders that are weighing in hold a conception of a target population in their heads and maybe in dialogue around some of these conceptions or stereotypes Um, and though I'm using the words like stereotypes and prejudice because uh, our conception of a target population or politicians perception of a target population or the media's perception of a target population might not match the reality. So if we construct a policy based on 
some of these conceptions that aren't necessarily about reality. And then we put that policy into practice with certain restrictions on the behavior of the target individuals. Um, it's a it's very easy for governments to make it quite tough for people to get access to healthcare, to get access to social benefits. And Herder Moynihan basically take that argument and demonstrate that in many of our health programs and some of our social policy areas, we, uh, meaning government, government um, quite often in practice puts uh, the burden on the target population to prove that they are worthy or eligible for whatever benefits are at stake. They often put administrative burdens in the way of people getting those benefits. Like, um, for example, you might have to um, travel a long way to make your claim. You might have to wait in line. You might have to fill in a lot of paperwork. You might have to produce a lot of documentation, which causes problems for people that don't have easy access to that documentation. You might have to have a bank account, which produces problems for people who don't have bank accounts. You might have to um, disclose things about yourself that you would rather not disclose, like things about your health status or your living conditions in order to receive a benefit. And so um, in this way, Herder and Moynihan are arguing that the, the state basically constructs administrative burdens for those target populations where um, the, the policy is intended to be of assistance to those populations, but there's also often a political debate about deservingness, a political debate around uh, which is characterized by social construction, some, so some shared conceptions about a group which may or may not be true. So take, for example, policies surrounding families and supporting uh, parents. One of the things that we quite often see around these policies is the idea of a nuclear family with two parents um, and the policy itself and particularly the way that the policy is implemented being structured in such a way that it is designed to reward people who are actually in this situation of a nuclear family and to maybe penalize people who are single parenting. So... This is one way in which a shared conception of uh, what a family is, which is actually quite far away from the truth, uh, can be um, implemented through the policy and create an administrative burden on some people and not others. The same way that we think about uh, Medicaid, for example, um, when Medicaid is discussed, the idea of Medicaid work requirements is uh, a classic case of an administrative burden there's not really any evidence that these requirements work. And there is some evidence that these requirements are harmful to the target population for Medicaid. And yet uh, we have seen in the last couple of years um, an explosion in the number of states that are requiring uh, proof of work or proof of seeking jobs in order to receive these benefits. So this is adding an administrative burden based on a conception that somehow the population needs to demonstrate that they are working or seeking benefit because there's some kind of prejudice there that otherwise uh, that these people are, are lazy or are not deserving of these benefits for some reason. Just think for a moment about how we deal with um, corporations and tax relief. 
So when we discuss corporations and uh, reducing the burden of red tape for corporations, we don't want the corporations to prove how hard they're working. We don't need them to provide business plans. We don't need them to uh, demonstrate that they have an ethical uh, approach to work or that they are treating their employees well or that they are um, not cheating in other ways right we are uh, yes businesses get audited and there are other ways in which they are held to account but in this debate in this discourse we apply different standards to the recipients of medicaid than we do to um, people who are running corporations and we talk very much about the need to reduce red tape, reduce effectively the administrative burden on businesses to allow them to grow and prosper. And we think that that is a positive thing. In the same way, though, when we public debates around um, things like Medicaid often and also social policy particularly often focus on the idea that uh, we should be adding restrictions to the target populations for those programs, rather than talking about how we could alleviate the administrative burden for people who already face a lot of different hurdles uh, in order to be successful and prosper. So I just want to call attention with this short podcast to how we talk differently about these different target groups. And the idea here of administrative burden, uh, it can have real serious consequences if you are not documented and you cannot produce the right documentations um, even though the policy may be ambiguous or even positive about your potential eligibility for support uh, requiring those popular people to produce documents uh, in a quite hefty way which which government often does uh, is effectively de facto excluding people um Furthermore, we often do adopt policies which explicitly exclude those populations. But the administrative burden is a little bit more, um, is worrisome in that way because it's relatively invisible. Unless you are part of the target population and you're forced to jump through some hoops to get these benefits, I don't think you can really fully realise how strenuous these hoops are and how difficult they are for some people to achieve it's this is made further more a little bit more problematic because we're quite often talking about lower income groups so people who might be struggling for other reasons they might have other health issues going on they might have financial issues going on um, and they might be dealing with other structural things in society which have gone against them so we're we're putting the administrative burden then on these populations disproportionately to the population as a whole uh, and i think we can uh, we should examine this and debate whether we think this is just and i think we can see this examination happening in the biden administration at the moment so medicaid uh, waivers happen because the, the federal government has to approve them and uh, Medicaid waivers is what's being used uh, in order to put these work requirements in place. And CMS never used to consider uh, employment as a factor in eligibility for Medicaid. But CMS in 2018 under the Trump administration wrote to states to suggest that they use the waiver process in order to try out 
some uh, programs and, and request that work requirements could be added to Medicaid programs. And this was quite a distinct change, and it resulted in a number of states, including Michigan, um, trialing these work requirements and putting them in place. Now, that means, however, that the federal government has the purview to reverse course again. And so you're seeing under the Biden administration since January, um, first of all, a, a letter to states to say, you need to prove that these work requirements make sense. Uh, and then now a review, uh, just over the last couple of days, the results of the review coming back from CMS, looking at these waivers and saying, um, even to the states that um, have gone the furthest in, in some of these work requirements, that these are no longer really acceptable. So this is a very good thing because these rules actually hurt people. They A lot of people have lost their coverage uh, in a very short period of time after these states changed course and implemented work requirements. And scientifically, there's no real evidence, as I said, that these things work. Um, plus, there is some evidence that this uh, is causing harm. Now, the Biden administration's letters to states and this dialogue with states on Medicaid work requirements is not the last word. It is likely that there might be some pushback from states, but it is interesting to see a clear signal from the federal government that this is not a desirable policy action. Um, and to some extent, states have to take note of that. And it's important too to note that the concept of administrative burden doesn't just relate to health and social policy, but also to democracy. And there's been a worrying uh, increase in a number of laws being introduced, actually, even after the election. Uh, if you look at Georgia and some other places, uh, Republicans have tried to introduce statutes uh, which will suppress um, the vote in those places. And so administrative burden in a democratic context has a very long history, obviously, um, going back to various um, Jim Crow-like restrictions. So um, administrative burden in the modern context democratically could mean making it just harder to vote, making it difficult, especially for working people, lower income people, to uh, get to the polls or to put in an absentee ballot or adding lots of requirements for getting an absentee ballot. Um, this is the, the state acting in a restrictive way to prevent its own citizens from democratically participating in elections. And it's not at all clear that this is going to be a strategy that actually will aid the Republicans. In fact, it might harm them to the extent that lower-income people want to vote for, for Republican candidates in some places. Um, but obviously, there's also a, a racial aspect to this. So um, administrative burden has a long history in the U.S., and one of the things we're, that Heard and Moynihan are trying to do in their book is, is show a little bit more how this plays out in health and social policy. It's a great read, and I highly recommend it. So we'll be talking a bit more in the coming weeks about complexity in uh, public administration in the United States. I just want you to remember, as we do that, that complexity is a political choice. Complexity is not necessarily um, just the fact that a policy area needs to be overly technocratic, overly detailed in order to um, 
for the policy to be properly administered, the administration of policy could be relatively straightforward in some different ways. But politics makes complexity more complex. It adds complexity to the tax code. It adds complexity to voting. It adds complexity to receiving benefits and accessing healthcare. Um, and some of the social consequences of this are less than desirable for us folks who want to see uh, equity in the US as well as uh, equal access to good healthcare. So I'll leave you with those thoughts, but we will be revisiting this concept in the, the coming classes, talking about uh, kludgeocracy and complexity and how this plays out uh, for uh, people in society receiving those benefits. All right. Thanks so much. Bye for now. This has been an HMP Governance Lab podcast. If you're interested in learning more about our research, come and find us at www.governancelab.org or follow us on Twitter at HMP GovLab. <laughs>